Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Cities Chronicles. My name is Adam Beck. I'm your host for the Chronicles podcast, and my day job is Executive Director of the Smart Cities Council here in Australia and New Zealand. Today, we bring you a episode featuring uh, one of our uh, international cities, uh, and this time Portland, Oregon, up in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. And joining me uh, on this episode uh, is Kevin Martin. Kevin, good morning and hello. Good morning, Adam. Thanks for having me. No, pleasure, Kevin. Um, looking forward to this episode, Kevin. I was a, uh, I was a resident in, in Portland uh, for three years, uh, a number of years ago, and so I, I certainly know a lot about the city, but I I kind of um, didn't really get uh, get exposed to a lot of the, the smart cities work as I was focused in other parts of the country. But um, uh, thoroughly looking forward to sort of hearing uh, what's happening in the great uh, great P town. So can we can we start actually by uh, you giving our listeners a bit of an overview of, of who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Kevin Martin. I, I run the smart cities program for the city of Portland. We won that program, interestingly, out of our Bureau of Planning and Sustainability. So a little different model than, than many other cities. We've got three dedicated staff um, that sort of support bureaus across and agencies across the city and the region in their own smart cities work. And then we've got a group of technical folks, um, web developers, web designers, database administrators, graphic designers, uh, GIS staff. Uh, that support us in that work as well. So um, I've been in this role for, let's see, since 2015 is when Portland really kind of started its smart cities effort, but a lot of, um, a lot of attention and, and resources have been devoted over the last year or so into really building this program into a, a citywide resource. So, Kevin, um, there's probably a number of listeners that, that know a little bit about Portland. Can you just give us a quick snapshot, um, geography, key attributes, key features, you know, what Portland's known for? Yeah. Um, so, rain. Uh, that's <laughs> primarily what we're known for. I, I used to describe it as a light drizzle, not necessarily <laughs> rain. That's <laughs> yeah, not hard rain. Light, light drizzle just gets your hair wet, right? Yes, um, yes. No, we're, we're considered one of the better planned cities in the United States. I think that's, you know, the smart growth movement in the U.S. really um, arguably started in Portland. Um, we have a, a urban growth boundary that uh, limits where you can develop in the city, which keeps our development pretty compact. So we have a, a pretty high density for, for a city of our size. Um, we're very bike friendly, uh, very transit friendly. We have the highest bike uh, mode share in the United States, not as high as uh, <laughs> some other countries like those in Europe, but but high for the U.S. Um, very well-supported and uh, well-designed transit infrastructure. Um, we are a very uh, engaged community, so the, the folks in Portland pay a lot of attention to what's happened at, at city government and, and at regional and state level. Um, which is which is a benefit. So we have a, a population that's really engaged. Um, you know, we're also uh, uh, something that a lot of people don't know about Portland is we are one of the widest cities in the United States and have sort of an unfortunate um, history around uh, racial equity. And so that's that's been a major focus of our work is is looking at how we improve upon that um, reputation going forward and really 
really build that into everything that we do. Um, so I suppose just pivoting now to start, you know, tracking your, um, your smart cities journey, Kevin, I mean, as you've sort of highlighted there, um, certainly Portland's got a, a, a trophy shelf full of accolades around, you know, livability and, you know, crowned as the, the greenest city many times, you know, the, the bike capital of the United States. So certainly a very deep um, history and of course, you know, outcomes to prove it in terms of climate action, biking, um, sustainability, yeah. green buildings. Um, when, is there a point we can sort of start to identify when sort of the smart thing starts to enter the equation in Portland? Can you sort of give us a sense of, of, of that progression from, from sustainable and green? I'm not saying that that still isn't the case, but I mean, it, it sounds like it's sort of continued, you know, it, it's sort of, um, it's action in, in really trying to create better communities, but obviously technology and data started to play a key role at some point. Yeah, I think, I think it's really an evolution of that, that, um, that planned uh, livable city. Um, we've really looked at, you know, what we've been able to achieve as a city over the last uh, two or three decades and, you know, where the sort of intractable problems remain. So, you know, we're very livable. We're proud of that livability. Um, it's an easy city to get around, but we have, we have some big problems as well that we haven't been able to solve. Um, like many other cities that are equally livable, uh, we have an affordability crisis. Uh, we um, have not really found solutions for how to get housing costs under control as more and more people want to enjoy that livability. Um, we are seeing more and more congestion as that density increases. So even though, you know, we have a very good and well-supported transit infrastructure and we have all those bicyclists um, and now scooters, uh, we're still seeing traffic get worse. So, you know, we're looking at, um, and we certainly have a problem with uh, homelessness, which is, you know, an issue in many of the West Coast uh, United States cities. Um, probably one of our biggest issues uh, at the moment. And so, you know, as we've looked at these problems over the last few years and, and really evaluated what we've been doing and what works and, and doesn't work, we've really tried to put a technology and data lens on them and see if, you know, that helps us move the needle in a way that we haven't been able to move uh, the needle before. And, you know, those conversations really started again around 2015 and um, really started in the transportation space. And, you know, a lot of that um, was due to some action at the federal level. The U.S. Department of Transportation had a $50 million one city take all, uh, what they called Smart Cities Challenge in, in late 2015, 2016, um, where cities were asked to put together sort of a data and innovation, data and technology based innovative mobility plan for their cities. Um, and 83 cities ended up putting in those plans and seven cities were finalists. We were one of them. Uh, and ultimately, uh, Columbus, Ohio uh, won the $50 million prize. But as we put together that proposal, we felt strongly that we not only had put together a, a, a good team, but we had used that, that effort, that proposal as a way to really identify some problems that we thought that we could um, you know, address and, and make our community better with uh, technology. And so we've, over the last year or so, 
two years really, have been executing on that plan uh, in the, on the mobility side, absent that, <laughs> that large amount of money. Mm. Um, and this sort of scrappily in, in a way that I think Portland does well, kind of ground up finding resources where you can find them, um, really getting buy-in at the staff level. Uh, we've been able to move a lot of that uh, proposal uh, forward. And the things that we haven't moved forward are things that, you know, we've decided uh, since putting together that proposal that are not things that we want to move forward. So, so that proposal, um, that proposal, Kevin, um, I mean, if I'm to sort of ask the question around, you know, what, what's your operating model? Have you got a strategy and, and your budget and roadmap and resources and things? It seems like that, um, that intensive work that went into that uh, response to that challenge probably forms part of that. Can you give us a sense of, you know, how, you know, what's that sort of framework or blueprint for your smart cities journey? Is there something that resembles that? Yeah, there is. And I think one of the things we've focused on over the last year is, um, you know, we had this, this effort around mobility and we came up with this uh, sort of technology um, led mobility plan really in service to a lot of the other goals that we already have as a city. Um, this wasn't really creating anything new. It was addressing things in, in new and innovative ways. We've tried to take that model um, over the last year and, and uh, look at different aspects of our city. So not just transportation, but looking at things like housing and homelessness, looking at things like resiliency. Um, Portland, is, as probably many of your uh, listeners don't know, is, is facing a 9.0 plus earthquake here in the next uh, 30 to Fifty years, able to gain technology for that and, and recover from it is is a, a focus of our work over the last um, you know year, and sort of really looking to how we take that success of that transportation proposal and replicate it elsewhere, and then also um, we've spent a lot of time really backing, sort of building some foundational pieces around how we govern this work in the city. We set up a, a steering committee that includes 16 different agencies in the city, from fire and police to um, uh, emergency services. Uh, we've um, brought all of our elected officials' offices into that steering committee as well, and so that's really a place that we can govern and guide the work at, a, at an enterprise level. Um, we've started to look at, really, our data foundations um, how we better manage data, how we better um, secure data, how we better address concerns around privacy as, as the city is more data-driven, um, and starting to think through some of the policy implications of um, not only the technologies that we want to implement, but the technologies that we know are coming, like autonomous vehicles, um, you know, how is artificial intelligence going to be used by the city, machine learning, making sure that all of that stuff is as free of bias and as transparent as possible. Um, really, we've backed off a little bit from the sort of shiny technical stuff and have focused a little bit more on, um, you know, how we govern this work, not, and really with a laser focus, I think, over the last six months on how we govern data as a city. Uh, Kevin, I, um, I heard a story I think it would have been about a year ago when I was back over in Portland for a conference. So, someone told me, and and you know this is sort of third hand, but um, someone someone told me that 
that Portland, as part of its sort of early steps in its smart cities journey, you did kind of something that was unique compared to other cities in that you used your, uh, I don't know whether it was your your, your city plan or, or some other sort of foundational sort of documents or principles that you already had established in the city for, you know, planning and, and livability and sustainability and all those things. You, you actually used that to go out to the marketplace, to the supply side, to yeah. sort of get them to sort of use that and respond to that as your as your sort of core framework. Did, did I hear that right? Is, is there sort of a story in there that, that's worth sharing as well in terms of how you approached it with the private sector? Yeah, I think so. And there's probably a couple other pieces that are related that I can touch on as well. But yeah, we've we've said from the very beginning that we don't see smart cities. And we call our program in, in Portland Smart City PDX. We don't see Smart City PDX as really sort of a new plan or a new strategy for the city. Um, it's a strategy in service of the plans and the goals that we already have. So uh, as you mentioned in the beginning, we were the first city in the United States with a climate action plan. Um, you know, a lot of the easy stuff has been done. Um, now it's all hard. How do we use data and technology and really partnerships with the private sector around data technology and partnerships with, the, with our local universities, um, with nonprofits, with community-based organizations, really to address uh, the hard stuff. Uh, we have a Portland plan that lays out a bunch of, um, you know, metrics for evaluating how we're doing as a city in terms of the services we provide and the investments that we make. Um, we've really tried to make our work in service to those, to those goals. We have a transportation systems plan. I mean, Portland, we're a planning city. We have no shortage of plans. Um, and really, we've tried to use Smart City PDX as a way to identify, okay, where, where is innovative approaches, data and technology going to have the greatest impact? Um, what are the problems that we should tackle with the limited resources that we have? And how do we engage uh, the community in that conversation? And I think another thing that Portland did that was innovative right out of the gate was acknowledge that we really wanted this work um, to be focused on equity, not just that equity is sort of a box that we check in the work that we do, but that what we do is prioritized based on the impact that it has in our most vulnerable communities. So, you know, low-income communities, communities of color, disabled populations. And I think that's a recognition that, um, you know, a lot of things are going to come, a lot of technology and database services are going to come to our community uh, regardless of what the city does, uh, you know, things like Uber, Lyft, uh, the dockless scooters that just landed here again a couple of days ago, these new services are appearing um, because there's demand for them. But if, if the city is not involved in how they're uh, implemented, they tend to be services that are provided to the most affluent. And so we really, from the beginning, have positioned ourselves as a little bit of a market dis disruptor and, and have taking the stance that, you know, these new technologies need stuff from the city as well. Uh, they need permission to operate in our city, and increasingly they need access to our city infrastructure. They need access to our right-of-way. They need access to our, to our poles, to, to the stuff that the community owns. How do we leverage that infrastructure in a way that um, steers the market in directions that it wouldn't normally go? And, and so I think, you know, acknowledging that up front um, 
is, is something I'm proud of. And I think it really guides um, the work that we do every day in a, in a way that's different than just, um, you know, identifying places where we can partner with the private sector on, say, a new technology project. Um, Kevin, just for, just for our listeners, um, you used a, a sort of acronym or a code in in sort of your descriptor there of your program PDX. For those that that may not know what what PDX is, that's just um, that's the airport sort of um, code for for Portland. You know, BNE yeah, yeah. is Brisbane and uh, SFO yeah, yeah. is San Francisco. So so just for our listeners yeah. that, that didn't know what PDX was, um, Kevin, I want to I'm going to come back and I, I really want to talk about. Um, uh, talk about that equity issue in in a moment. Um, you, you just mentioned um, a couple of days ago the scooters came back. I was I was up in Portland for a few days about three weeks ago, and I noticed that the scooters weren't there. And um, my previous visit late last year, of course, that they were there. I think it was when your trial was happening. Um, so so that so it sounds like they are back. Um, I just want to talk about transit for a moment. I mean, I think there's obviously a deep connection uh, in, in all cities between um, public transit um, and, you know, climate and, and equity. And of course, you know, transit is, is it, it represents opportunity as well, you know, for, for communities to be able to get to work and do what they yeah. need to do. Um, so tr- transit, as you did say in your introduction, you know, transit's been, um, you know, a real deep, um, sort of priority for <clears throat> for the city and the region, and it has for a long time. Um, so I, I want to touch on some sort of smart things that kind of were hanging around in Portland before the smart cities kind of agenda and movement sort of took off, you know, sort of more recently. Um, I remember when I first arrived, my first trip to Portland was in 2012, um, and I remember... Uh, I spent a week there, and um, I was I was sort of using you know the the bus, the the, the light rail, also the streetcar, and um, there was there was an app that I could download. Um, I had a digital ticket. I could seamlessly go from one mode to the next. Um, and I remember my first trip in one of the buses. You know, there was like this little advertising sign how. Um, how TriMet opened up all their data and they had all of these startups creating all these great apps around, you know, biking and busing and all that type of stuff. So the, the use of technology and data, you know, in, in really providing better services um, has, has been around for a while, hasn't it? And, and the other, so I'd like you to comment on that. But the other thing that I noticed, you know, quite some time ago is the whole startup community and the level of entrepreneurialism that the maker economy that you've got in, in Portland, you, you know, are, are these sort of potential precursors or additional, you know, leverage points that sort of, you know, transitioned um, the city into its, its, its uh, smart cities journey. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about the role of that real early sort of tech and data and entrepreneurial sort of, you know, attributes that the city had and has had for a long time? Yeah, no, I mean, I think you you started to summarize it pretty well there that we're really building off a legacy of, um, you know, openness and transparency of data and really strategic thinking around open, openness and transparency of data that started with our uh, regional transit agency, TriMet. Um, TriMet uh, has been a, uh, was an early adopter of open source technologies they, in partnership with Google, um, were the transit agency that created 
the specification that's used by almost every transit agency around the world in terms of how data is shared about transit um, schedules and operations, uh, the general transit feed specification, GTFS, that was created in Portland. And so um, we've really looked at that legacy and, and sort of, you know, the, the, the products that came from it, the ability for multiple startups in the city to build trip planning applications, for example, because that feed was open and standardized. Um, the ability of TriMet to work with a local startup to develop a payment platform, um, which was one of the first of its kinds in, this, in the United States, and that has now also been scaled to uh, cities all around North America, Europe, and, and uh, internationally. Um, you know, really kind of using that example of all of this, you know, quote unquote, sort of sexy stuff happened because of some very wonky um, conversations around data and, and data specification and, and data transparency. And so we're, we're, I think that's the lesson that we're really trying to take to our like political leadership uh, and leadership in the city is, you know, it's not always about the shiny stuff. It's sometimes about that foundational work of, around data um, that enables that shiny stuff. And, and I, I would argue enables the shiny stuff in a way that, that brings real impact and real benefits to the community. Um, and, and sort of just pivoting now with, um, with, with the issue of equity, um, Portland has a, a bike share scheme. Um, uh, which has, has been up for a number of years, which, which I've, I've used. It's great. I, I do remember, Kevin, early on, um, a lot of chatter, you know, both in the media, but also, you know, among, you know, practitioners and policymakers, um, you know, the, the issue about the planning of the, of the bike share system, the communities it would service. And, and for me, um, it was my first real sort of experience and glimpse into sort of, social equity uh, and some of the issues that, that you have mentioned um, sort of ex exist in Portland, uh, particularly, you know, the, the, the Northeast um, neighbourhoods in particular. I've, I've, I've sort of been through a lot of times and I understand a little bit of the history, but tell me more about, you know, this, this sort of legacy of Portland being a very white city. Um, you know, how, how, how is the smart city program um, the Smart City PDX program in Portland, addressing or helping, um, you know, some of these sort of social equity issues that, that you have you have raised as, as being fundamental. Yeah, well, and and I will uh, preface this with, you know, I think we're we're trying to figure that out, and and we recognize that that's not something that we can figure out, our you know internally. That is, you know, and and I think that's a lesson from our legacy is that, um, you know, coming up with a solution and then taking it out to a community and asking what they think about it is not um, the way that we want to approach this work. We really want to problem source with the community and have them on board uh, with buy-in, um, you know, invested in this program uh, and helping us determine what the priority um, problems are that, that we need to solve and what brings the best, the most benefit um, to them. So we're, we're currently um, in the middle of a process to identify what that engagement model looks like. Um, but I think that, you know, you mentioned the bike share program. We certainly got a lot of 
uh, pushback from the community that that uh, those those bikes were only available in in a relatively close in uh, neighborhood in in the city and a relatively expensive one and certainly majority white one. Um, we're trying to learn from those lessons uh, going forward with the scooter pilot that just uh, again rolled out uh, a couple of days ago. This is the second phase of the scooter pilot. We had one that ran for four months back in July, about 2,000 scooters with about 700,000 trips. So uh, the devices were pretty heavily wow. used. Wow. Yeah. Um, with this one, we're, we're doing a, a second phase that's a year long, and we're really trying to look at the solutions for bringing that service to areas of Portland. Again, that those scooter companies, and this is not a criticism of them at all, it's just you know, not their business model, would not necessarily would bring them to, and to figure out a way that we make that sustainable uh, uh, and effective uh, long-term. And so we're requiring that 20% of the scooters um, be located in uh, lower income underserved areas of the city uh, and the companies are incentivized to add even more. And it's not, none of this is based on any kind of, um, you know, thinking that scooters are going to solve our equity problem. It's just a recognition that we need to figure out a way to build into all these services, ways to make them accessible to the community as a whole. close to down the access to a scooter to get you to transit or to get you downtown it's a it's a nice to have if you're further out in Portland because you can't afford to live close in um, and you know your transit options are more limited that scooter first flat mile last mile trip is much more of a need to have and and you know it's not going to solve our transit problems and it's not going to by itself make our transit system more equitable, but it's a piece. And, and as we make these decisions about where these services are gonna be located, there's a whole data conversation behind that. We're, we are getting data from the scooter operators, um, essentially in real time, through a specification that's been developed, the mobility data specification that really grew out of that uh, GTFS uh, specification that TriMet created way back when. Um, and so we're getting this data, we're evaluating it, we're seeing where these scooters are, we're seeing how they're serving folks outside of our, our downtown core. We're hopefully starting to build an understanding of how they are um, working with or against transit, how they are reducing uh, single occupancy vehicle trips or not, uh, and then using that learning to improve our policies and regulations around how they can operate in our city. Um, and certainly a lot of interest in using that learning to look at other uh, sort of technology-based mobility services like Uber, like Lyft, like BikeShare. Um, it's, it's, been a, it's been a really interesting experience to um, sort of have to, how to, have to quickly develop sort of a, a minimum viable policy that we can use as these technologies arrive in our city um, that makes them as effective, as equitable, um, and as sustainable as possible. Kevin, I just wanted to, um, to sort of step back a little bit and, and chat more broadly around innovation and, and Portland. Um, I certainly, 
I've certainly sort of, you know, watched on the sideline somewhat of a, um, uh, I've got to pick the right word here, but but certainly a flow of of talent and tech workers, you know, as they sort of, my observation is, you know, there's been a lot of, um, you know, people leaving the Bay Area, you know, it's, 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 it's highly unaffordable and um, there's been somewhat of a migration sort of north up into the Pacific Northwest into Seattle and and Portland, but also I've I've noticed Denver and Austin have been certainly other cities where uh, a lot of the tech talent has sort of migrated, um, you know, from from down in Silicon Valley, you know, to these other places. Um, I I remember a conversation. Oh, it'd be a good four plus years ago. You'd know better than I when Airbnb set up um, set up shop in Portland. And uh, I was at an event and um, I was talking to a, a young guy from, from Airbnb in the, in the Portland office and um, was sort of chatting around, you know, well, oh, how did, how did Airbnb sort of pick, you know, um, Portland? You know, you've got Seattle up the road and all these other big cities. Um, you know, Portland's not that big, but, it's, you know, it's not that small either. But um, the, the, the response was um, uh, sort of lifestyle and livability and, he he quoted um, bikes, beer, and burritos, and, and and we sort of we sort of unpacked that you know for 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 ten minutes at this networking event, and he said um, you know it's such a great town to bike around in you know so easy transit, the food carts you know the reference to the burritos and of course you know Portland of of course is one of the got the highest one of the highest concentrations of um, craft breweries per capita, you know, in the United States. So, so craft beer and, and also food of course comes with that. So lifestyle is a really interesting play. And I've, um, I've always, that, that conversation has stuck with me for a long time because, um, the, the, the attraction of, of, of talent workers, um, the, the incubation of, of innovation and entrepreneurialism, you know, going back to, you know your your startup community that that's been around for for a long time, probably before they were called startups. Can you can you sort of give our listeners a sense of that um, of that sort of uh, you know that 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 sort of movement that's happening along the west coast of the US in the Pacific Northwest? You've got Amazon three hours up the road. Talk to me about innovation in Portland and sort of knowledge workers and and where the sort of the future might be with with that issue. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's, we, we see it as an interesting opportunity for, for, for the city to have this, this type of talent here. And I think, you know, we're, we're different than Seattle. We're different than San Francisco, LA, San Diego, and that they have, you know, large uh, tech employers that really bring in, I mean, Amazon, obviously, in Seattle is, is, is gigantic and getting huge, bigger every day. Um, we, we don't really have that. And so, our, our tech tends to be a little bit smaller, um, a little bit more boutique, and uh, a tech community that really wants to be here because it's Portland, less is there to work for a particular employer. And that, that's certainly true in, in those other West Coast cities as well, but I think it's especially true here. And so what that means is we've got this pool of small startups, we've got this tech community, that really is invested in solving the city's problems because they see themselves as part of this city um, and really wanting to be part of the city. And, and it's, 
And it, and again, it's sort of, you know, if, if you come here because of the livability, you're invested in, re, you know, preserving as much of that li livability as possible. Um, sorry, I'm getting... It sounds, it sounds like someone's really wanting to get a hold of you. <laughs> you're a popular man. Hold on, hold on one sec. Um, but you're really invested in that livability and, and wanting to preserve it. And, and so as we look at, you know, things like congestion getting worse, housing affordability getting worse, we have this pool of, of tech talent that wants to help us solve those problems. And, and again, that's, that's not exclusive to Portland in any way, shape or form, but I, I think that it's, it's sort of a closer community here than, you know, I interact with a lot of other cities and, and there tends to be a lot more sort of layers of hierarchy in those cities than there is in Portland. You can be pretty close to your city government here um, you can interact directly with the mayor and city leadership um, very easily. Uh, it's, it's an opportunity for us to do things um, that I don't think other cities um, have. I will say that you mentioned Denver and Austin. Um, it's interesting because those are also both sort of mid-size, you know, under one million uh, population cities. Um, we, we work more closely with those two cities than any other cities in, in the United States. And so we've, we've also recognized that we're sort of in a similar place. Um, we um, are really trying to work together to take advantage of that opportunity in a, in a shared way. So Kevin, a couple more questions. I, I need to sort of, you know, firstly ask you kind of, you know, how's the journey been? You know, what have you learned along the way? What would you do differently? What, what, what sort of, you know, looking back, just reflecting on the last sort of three, four, five years, how, how do you feel it's gone? Um, I think it's, I think it's going well. Like, uh, as I said, I, I like that we are approaching this, I think in a different way than, than some other cities are. I like that we are not, um, you know, this isn't the smart cities work you know, we, we've spent, we, reckon, we recognize from the beginning that smart cities in itself is a little bit of a problematic term. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was coined by the, by the private sector to, to sell city stuff. And again, that's not a criticism of the private sector. It just, it, it was good marketing. Um, we've really tried to co-opt that term and figure out what it means from the city's perspective. Um, what does it mean to be smart from the perspective of the community, from the perspective of uh, city leadership and staff, and then gone out to the private sector to look at how they can partnership, uh, partner with us in doing that work rather than them sort of selling us uh, solutions. I, I like that approach. I, I like being a part of it. And I think it's, <laughs> sorry, smart. Um, it's a smart approach to this work. The things that you know, we do differently. We've made mistakes like other cities have made, even though that's been sort of our focus from the beginning. We certainly have had situations where we've led with a technology choice and then sort of tried to back it into how it benefits our community. Uh, we try to limit that as much as possible, but it happens. Um, and when it does happen, we try to learn from it so that we don't do it again. Um, I think that we have not engaged the community in this conversation uh, effectively at all. Uh, again, we're looking at how we do that over the next year. And I think that's really critical too. Once the shine of smart cities wears off, 
you know, what does it mean to the community? What, what value are we bringing to, to the people of Portland? And how can they communicate that value to our leadership in a way that sustains this work going forward? Because eventually, you know, the marketing, the shine, all that's going to wear off and we're going to have to demonstrate, okay, what is it we're doing? How are we making people's lives better? Um, I, I wish we would have got into that conversation uh, with the community a little earlier than, than we are. Um, but, you know, I look forward to sort of seeing where this, where this kind of movement goes. I, I, I think it's been really interesting. Uh, I've been in city government for quite some time and I've never seen cities working so collaboratively together as they are in this space. Um, I mentioned Denver and Austin. I, we work very closely with Seattle. We're working uh, closely with the city of Oakland. Um, you know, there's a certain competitiveness between cities, but I think we all recognize that if we can figure out how to solve some of these big problems together uh, and then scale them, that, you know, that's a, that's, that's a model that's going to bring a lot of success. And frankly, it's going to bring a lot of uh, funding um, and it's going to make these programs sustainable as well. So. Well, that's awesome. I love that, um, that, that sort of particular comment you made there around the collaboration with the other cities. Um, so final question now, Kevin, um, you know, looking forward 2019, um, what, what are you most excited about in this work that you're doing? What, what are you looking forward to? I think I am excited about, you know, taking this conversation that's been a little bit inside the city. I, I you know, say it's been a little bit inside baseball and, and really breaking it open and, um, starting to build that community buy-in and, and, you know, really starting to build sort of a literacy in the community as well around data and technology that, um, you know, I'm, I'm both excited about and I'm also a little worried that we're not doing that more than we are as we see, uh, you know, the sort of the potential risks uh, of technologies coming at us down the road. Um, you know, one example that everybody gives is that, you know, in the United States, driving a vehicle, I think, is the number one employment for folks without a college degree, um, those jobs are eventually going to go away. And so how are we preparing our community um, to transition away from those jobs into things that are more, um, you know, that have more prospects for the future? And, and uh, you know, I'm very excited about sort of that aspect of the conversation and really a conversation that starts to resonate with our community. I, I certainly agree, Kevin. This is a, an extremely exciting, exciting space, and it changes. Uh, it changes every day. Um, so, look, that's been um, that's been fantastic to get your to get your views on that. Um, we need to sort of wrap here, but look, just a, a sincere thank you for for joining us on the Smart City Chronicles podcast and sharing the story of uh, of the city of Portland's journey. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here, and I appreciate the time, and would love to get down to Australia one of these days. Uh, let, let, let's sort of work on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so for our listeners, that's been uh, Kevin Martin, who is from the city of Portland in Oregon, who runs the Smart City PDX program. Um, for those of listeners uh, who are not subscribing to the Chronicles podcast, you can do so through some of those typical podcast platforms like Spotify and SoundCloud and also Apple Podcasts. You can also head to our website, smartcitieschronicles.com. And we always love to get feedback as well. So feel free to drop us a note via email at any time. The address is chronicles at anz.smartcitiescouncil.com.
www.cityofportland.com. Uh, but for now, we uh, leave you with uh, that feature episode of the City of Portland in Oregon and the Pacific Northwest of the US. We look forward to bringing you another episode shortly.